Amen. Grace and peace from the Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you now and forevermore. Amen. We thank the Lord of all grace who has given us today. God himself, the God of peace, who has sanctified us through and through. The God who has kept our whole body, our whole soul and our whole spirit in blameless. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we adore. Amen. We are taking some few scripture readings. The first one we are taking from Psalm 48, verse 1 to 3. Psalm 48, verse 1 to 3. And we also read from Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 to 26. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 to 24. So we read the first one, Psalm 48, verse 1 to 3. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north the city of the great king. God is in her palaces. He is known as her refuge. Amen. We are also taking from Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 to 26. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 to 26. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who, wa but he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar, for this, is, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. Amen. Amen. Jesus shall reign
Kataba Kurabazanda Baba. morning the title of the message is the holy presence of God on a glorious mountain the holy presence of God on a glorious mountain you can also say that the holy presence of God in a glorious church in a glorious church the holy presence of God on a glorious mountain the scriptures that we read, especially the, the one from Galatians, the Bible spoke of Sarah and Haggai. All of them gave birth to sons. Haggai, Haggai gave birth to a son called Ishmael, and Sarai or Sarah gave birth to a son called Isaac. The Bible also explained to us that the son of Haggai symbolized the old covenant, which is Mount Sinai. And the son of Isaac symbolizes, sorry, the son of Sarah, which is Isaac, who is also the son of promise, symbolized the new covenant, which is Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem, the invisible Jerusalem, the place that God himself is preparing for us. And the Bible says that when he finished preparing that place, he will come and take us so that where he is, we will be also. Hallelujah. So, beloved, we see the almighty God who manifests himself in two different ways. In two different ways. We see the almighty God manifest himself on Mount Sinai, which is a temporal experience that the church at wilderness enjoyed. And we also have the same God who manifests himself on Mount Zion. The new Jerusalem, which is a permanent experience that the church now is enjoying and we will continue to enjoy it to the full when Jesus Christ appears in his glory. Hallelujah. So, beloved, what is the old covenant? What happens at Mountain Sinai? Why is the experience on that mountain temporal? What resulted on that mountain? I want us to read from Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 to 21. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 to 21. What happens at Sinai 
start their church on the wilderness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 to 21. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so, much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Amen. Amen. So, beloved, what happened at that mountain, on that mountain? Mountain Sinai symbolized the church that was on the wilderness. That mountain was a mountain of fear and away. It was a very terrible mountain. The Bible says that after the Israelites have come to the wilderness of Sinai, Moses climbed onto the mountain Sinai. And on that mountain, the Lord told Moses that Moses, if these people will obey my instructions and my commandment, then they will be a treasured possession unto me. Even though the whole earth is mine, they will be kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So the Bible says that God told Moses in Exodus chapter 19, verse number 10, that Moses consecrated the people for two days. And then on the third day, I, the Lord, I will descend on a thick cloud on this mountain. So the Bible said that Moses consecrated the people for two days. He asked the people to wash their clothes. He asked them to be clean. He did all the rituals of purification. And the Bible said that on the third day, Moses brought all of them at the foot of the mountain. But before Moses brought all of them at the foot of the mountain, according to Exodus chapter 19, verse 16, the Bible said that God descended in a thick cloud on the mountain, and there was thunderings and lightnings. There was shaking on the mountain. The Bible said that there was a trumpet blast. Trumpet blast. And the Bible said that all the Israelites came out and then they came at the foot of the mountain. And then the Lord had already communicated to Moses that Moses, because I have descended on this mountain, make sure that you make a boundary around this mountain. 
Nobody should touch this mountain. Exodus chapter 19, verse 11 to 13. And anybody who touches this mountain should be stoned to death, even animals, because the mountain is a holy mountain. Beloved, that mountain was a mountain of fear and away. Hallelujah. So the Bible said that the Lord descended with tenderings, lightnings, and a thick cloud with a trumpet blast. Beloved, in the olden days, a trumpet signifies momentous event. In fact, the armies of Israel or of the then world used the sound of a trumpet to, to signal an attack or a retreat. So anytime that the armies of Israel are about to go into war, there is always a trumpet blast. And when the captain of the army also want them to retreat from the battlefield, they also signify a trumpet. Hallelujah. Also, watchmen use the sound of trumpets to signify danger, the arrival of danger, that danger has come, and therefore propose so that everybody will be aware that there is danger around. The Israelites also sound that trumpet to signify their various festivals and celebrations. So it means that the sound of a trumpet was very important in the life of the Israelites. But in this case, the sound of this trumpet on Mount Sinai was signifying the presence of the Almighty God. Hallelujah. That God has really come onto the mountain. So the presence of God was being signified by the sound of the trumpet. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 19, verse 18, that God descended in a thick cloud like a smoke. So the whole mountain smoked. And it ascended like smoke from a furnace. So in other words, the mountain was burned with fire. Hallelujah. So the presence of God was also being signified by smoke, tenderness, lightning, and fire. It was a very fascinating sight. And the Bible says that not only that, but the earth or the mountain also quake. It shook. There was an earthquake signifying the power of God. There was a shaking. 
there was a shaking. And the Bible says that the people were very fearful. They melted in fear. They melted in fear of what they saw. The whole mountain bath or bath with smoke, thick smoke, with tenderings and lightnings. The mountain also shook. There was an earthquake. And then the Bible said that the people were very afraid and very worried. And then they heard a voice. And that voice spoke to them. And the people, when they heard the voice, the Bible said that they stood at a, a distance. Beloved, the sight was so terrifying that according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 21, Moses himself said that, I, Moses, myself, I was fearful and terrified and trembling. So even Moses was trembling. This one is not seen in the Exodus story. However, Apostle Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, was able to communicate to us that Moses himself was even fearful and terrified. Beloved, it was not a small place. It was not a small place. Beloved, the holy presence of God is also very fearful. Even though God has descended on the mountain, but it was not easy for the people. Not only that, but the people also saw the glory of God. According to Exodus chapter 24, verse 15 to 17, the Bible said that when Moses came or ascended onto the mountain, God bathed the mountain with a thick cloud and with his glory. And the glory of the Lord to the people, it looks like a consuming fire. So the glory of the Lord was also, the, they saw it, but it was like the mountain on fire. No wonder the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, said that the Lord God Almighty is a consuming fire. So they saw this side that the glory is very beautiful. However, it looks like fire. To Moses, I think this is not the first time that he has seen the glory of God burning as fire. In Exodus episode when he was tendering the flock of his in-law Jethroth. Exodus chapter 3. The Bible said that he saw a bush on fire which was not being burned. In Exodus 3, 4 and 5 God told Moses don't come close for the land that you are standing on is a holy ground. So on the Sinai, the experience, the Bible said that the people also stood far off. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 to 21. 
They stood far off. They could not come closer to the mountain. And then they told Moses, that Moses, please, don't let the Lord God Almighty speak to us. You only speak to us. We will hear. And Moses told them that the Lord only came in that form to test you so that you will obey him. Hallelujah. So, beloved, that place was a very fearful place. Also, according to Exodus chapter 24, verse 4 to 8, the Bible said that after this experience, Moses then killed an animal and then took the blood of the animal and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and splashed the blood of the animal on the altar. And the remain of the blood, he sprinkled it on the people and read the commandment to them and said that this is the covenant that the Lord God Almighty has covenanted with you. Hallelujah. So on that mountain, at that place, the Lord covenanted with his people. There was a confirmation of his covenant. Hallelujah. So beloved, the church at the wilderness represented God's power and might. Sinai. It represented God's power and might. It also represented God's righteous hunger. Beloved, we all know that after the Lord has given the commandment to Moses, the Lord then told Moses to climb up onto the mountain. And it was at that place that the Lord gave Moses so many instructions with regard to even the construction of the tabernacle and the articles in the tabernacle, the consecration of the priests, and so many things. The Bible says that when Moses was on the mountain with the Lord God Almighty, the Israelites came to Aaron and they said that Moses has been there for a very long time. Please make a God for us so that we will worship. So whilst Moses was on that mountain, the Israelites asked Aaron to make a God in the form of golden image. Exodus chapter 32. So God told Moses, Moses, look at what the people are doing. The people have entered into the worship of a foreign god. And Moses came down from the mountain. It is then that like the lost hunger came upon the people. And then Moses said, who is on the lost side? And that did, the Bible said that at the foot of the mountain, Moses killed 3,000 people. 3,000 people. So God's righteous hunger was also demonstrated at Sinai. Also at that place, there was the giving of the law that when human beings obey, they will receive the blessings of God. So the Ten Commandments and all the other laws, instructions, regarding how they will live was also given on the mountain. Also, salvation 
was only through the, the keeping of the law. So as you keep the law, as you obey the law, you are being saved. You are being saved. So for them, their salvation was a sprinkling of the blood on the people. It covers them. And as they obeyed the law, they are being saved. But the, the sad thing is that they were not able to obey the law. They were not able. It was very difficult. Year after year, they were what? Sinning. Even the priests, before they go to the Holy of Holies, they need to sacrifice and atone for their own sins. So it was a very terrible mountain. So this was the church on the wilderness. So the writer of Hebrews said that you have not come to this mountain which was burning with fire, with earthquake, but you have come to a different mountain. What is this mountain? Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 22 to 24. But you have come to Mount Zion. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 to 24. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the med mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Amen. Amen. So the writer of Hebrew is saying that in the New Testament, or in the glorious church, Christians now, we have not come to the mountain that was burning with fire and smoke. But we have come to mountain Zion. Hallelujah. Mountain Zion. The new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Mountain Zion. Beloved, mountain Zion or Zion was a territory that belonged to the Canaanite. Canaanite, the Jebusite. According to 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1 to 7, when David became king, David was dwelling in a place called Hebron. He was only ruling over the tribe of Judah. And at that place, he ruled for seven and a half years. And then the whole Israel came to him. And then they say that the Lord has already anointed you to be king over us. So the Bible said that the whole Israel also came to him that David should be their king. So they anointed David so that he would not be a king only to the uh, Judah people or the tribe of Judah, but also be a king for both Judah and Israel. In other words, the whole of Israel. So when David became king, according to 2 
Samuel chapter 5, verse 7. David then conquered this place that belongs to the Jebusite, the Canaanite, called Zion, Jerusalem, called Zion. So Zion, or mountain Zion, was the fortress place for the Canaanite, which was being captured by David. In fact, mountain Zion is where the city of Jerusalem is being built. So the city of Jerusalem is being built on mountain Zion. It is a very important place in the life of the Jews. In fact, the temple of God is also being built on mountain Zion. And people move to and fro to come and worship their God on mountain Zion. Because the temple of God is located there, it also means that the ark of the covenant of God, which symbolizes the presence of God, is in the holy of holies of mountain Zion. That is the church there, the temple on that place. So the place has become very important that people travel far and near to come and worship God. And it was also very important even for the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the scribes, and the Sadducees. Jesus Christ even worshipped in the temple in Zion. It was a very beautiful place. Atonement were being done at that place. David gave it a name called the city of David. So everybody was calling it the city of what? David, Jerusalem. Hallelujah. So as time progresses, when people are even been going to the temple, let's say that we are going to PRWC, not your church, they don't even be mention the name, the temple of God. They only say that we are going to Zion. Zion. Uh, the fact that you say that you are going to Zion, everybody knows that you are going to the temple of God. So it was a very important place or location in the life of the Israelite. Beloved, in our time, Zion is the glorious church in heaven. It's the glorious church in heaven. So the church now, it's in Zion. Hallelujah. According to what Paul communicated in Galatians chapter 4, verse 22 to 26, that the old covenant represents the church at Sinai, but the new covenant, which is through Sarai, represents the church in Jerusalem, which is invisible. Not the one that we see now. Beloved, if you read scriptures, you will find out that when you read Isaiah chapter 30, verse 26, mountain Zion is referred to the mountain of the Lord. It's referred to the mountain of the Lord. In Revelations chapter 21, verse 10, it is called the New Jerusalem, 
which is the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is Zion. It is spiritual and the future eternal Jerusalem that we are all yearning to go there according to Isaiah chapter 28 verse 16. And the last time we described the new Jerusalem whereby we said that we look at eight dimensions in Revelation chapter 21 how the city is being built with jasper, the walls with, which lies on 12 foundations, 12 precious stones. We look at the gate of the city which is being made of pearl, very beautiful city. And this is Zion. Hallelujah. Beloved, Zion also represents the mercy of God. Unlike Sinai, which represents the anger of God. Zion represents the mercy of God because that is where God himself dwells. So the writer of Hebrews was saying that you have not come unto the mountain that was burning with fire, with smoke, with earthquake and other things that the people even trembled. But you have come to Mount Zion. Beloved, what is the composition of Mount Zion? According to the writer of Hebrews, he says that you have come to the city of the living God. So the Lord God Almighty dwells there. Hallelujah. He is there. Two, he says that you have come to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. So Jesus Christ also dwells in Zion. Hallelujah. Not only that, the writer said that you have come into the company of innumerable angels. Innumerable angels. So angels also dwells there. So we have God himself who is there. We have Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant who also lives there. We have holy angels who also live there. Not only that. He said that to the church of the firstborn. Hallelujah. So we have also we also have righteous people, saints who also live there. And the saints, they are made up of you and I. Hallelujah. So that is your place. That is my place. Hallelujah. Not only that. But he says that you have also come to the righteous people, the spirit of the righteous people who have been made perfect in heaven. So like the Abrahams and then the Davids and the Moses who died before the advent of Jesus Christ on earth also lived there. So beloved, holy people live in that place. So that place is characterized with purity and holiness and also glory. In Revelation chapter 21, the one that we read last time, 22 to 26, the Bible says that because God lives there, the glory of the place is even the glory of Jesus Christ. So there is no sun, there is no moon. You don't need moon. You don't need sun. 
Because the sun gives light uh, to the world during the day. And the moon gives light to the earth during the night. So because when the sun and the moon is not there, there will be darkness on the surface of the earth. That is why these ordinances or elements has been created by God to execute their duties. But in heaven, the glory of Jesus Christ gives light to that place. Hallelujah. So it's a place of glory. It's a place of holiness. Hallelujah. Even worship there, worship at that place is spiritual because the people who live there are spiritual. So the worship is spiritual. That was why when Jesus Christ came on earth, according to the, the world of Psyche episode, the, the discourse that Jesus Christ had with the woman at Samaria, the woman was saying that we were worshiping on this mountain, but you people say that we should go to Jerusalem and go and worship. And then Jesus Christ said that you don't know what you are talking about. A time is coming, and now is the time that the true worshipers, or God is looking for true worshipers. And those true worshipers, they are going to worship God in spirit and then what? In truth. So when we come to Zion, the glorious church, the invisible church, where Jesus Christ dwells, where the angels dwells, it is a place that the worship is even spiritual. I pray to the Lord God Almighty that our worship that will render to the Lord God Almighty will be very spiritual. Hallelujah. If you are to look at the description of how the writer of Hebrews describe the new church, the church at Zion, the glorious church, he used eight phrases. And all those eight phrases start with the word to. T-O. Eight phrases. He says that you have come to mountain Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 to 24. That is one. You have come to. Huh? You have come to the city of the living God. The city of the living God. The new Jerusalem. Two. You have come to the company of innumerable angels in joyful celebration. You have come to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the righteous judge or the judge of all. You have come to the spirit of the just men who are made perfect. You have come to Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. And you have come to the sprinkling of the blood that speaketh better things than the blood of what? 
Abel. Hallelujah. So this is the place that we have come to. Let us look at it one by one. Uh, so where have we come? Where has the Lord Jesus Christ brought us? Where are we now? Are we still on Mount Sinai, mountain of fear? Or we are now on a mountain of joy? The first one is that you have come to the living God. The city of David. Hallelujah. Beloved, the place is the dwelling place of God. And because it's a dwelling place of God, the place is made holy by the presence of God. So for, for so long as the Lord God Almighty lives in Zion, lives in his glorious church, that place, the church is always holy. And the holiness of church is because of the divine presence of God. Because the nature of God is holy. And God is holy. So where God is, everything that the place is what is holy. Hallelujah. Beloved, to the devout Jew or the pious Hebrew, when they are talking about the holy land, the glory of the holy land, the glory of the holy land is Jerusalem. Is Jerusalem. As for the Jew, the glory of the holy land is what? Jerusalem. And the glory of Jerusalem is Mount Zion. Mount Zion. And the glory of Mount Zion is the temple. Because that is where the temple is located. And the glory of the temple is the Shekinah. Because inside the temple, we have the Ark of the Covenant. On top of the Ark of the Covenant is the seat of atonement. Where the Shekinah glory of God rests upon. Hallelujah. So, uh, the writer of Hebrew is saying that, uh, you have come to the city of the living God. So this is where God dwells. So no wonder, no wonder the Bible says that God dwells in the place of his temple, in the holy place of his temple. So God dwells in the holy place of his temple. And according to Psalm 80 verse 1, the last phrase, the Bible said that God is enthroned. God is enthroned in the midst of the cherubims. And when we look at the Ark of the Covenant, we find out that in between, uh, 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 you have the mercy seat. And then on each side of the mercy seat, you have the cherubims that overshadow the Ark of the Covenant with their wings. So if Psalm 80 verse 1 is saying that God dwells in the midst of the cherubims, then that is true. Hallelujah. Not only that, where we read Psalm 48 verse 3, the last phrase, it talks about God is great in Zion. So at that place, God is what? It's great. Beloved, is the place that the Lord God Almighty lives. Now, we have a spiritual church now. God is now 
is no longer living in those temples built by hands. But God is now living in us. We are now the spiritual Zion that God lives, where he lives. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20, that our bodies, our bodies, our bodies are the temple of God. And that is where God dwells. So he no longer dwells on the mercy seat, that's the Shekinah. But now he dwells in us. Hallelujah. So if he dwells in us, then we will be in agreement with Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that we need to present ourselves as a word, living word, sacrifices. Because in the temple, the priests were offering sacrifices. So if we are the temple, then we need to also offer sacrifices. And we can only offer sacrifices when we are holy and clean. Hallelujah. So this is the place that we have come to. Where have we come? Where have we come? We have come to the place of angelic worship. Say that innumerable companies of angels. Hallelujah. We, we are in the midst of angels. Angelic visitation. That is why angels visit us. And they help us. And the Bible said that these angels are in joyful celebration. Beloved, all of us, we know that in Luke Gospel chapter 2, verse 13 to 14, when Jesus Christ was born, there was joy in heaven. The angels were celebrating. Also, in Luke Gospel chapter 15, verse 10, the Bible says that there is joy in heaven when a sinner repents. So this is the place that we have come. In the olden days, the relationship of the church with angels was very terrible. Very terrible. The angels, if you mess up with them, they will kill you. They will kill you. They were very smart and very up to tax. So all of us will remember that when even the people sin and then God says that he's not going to lead them. He's not going to lead them. Moses started begging. And God said, oh, don't beg. I will let angels lead you. No, 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 God. Don't let angels lead us. If your presence does not go with us, we will not go. So in the olden days, the relationship of the child with angels was not a joke. You even remember when even the angel even went to Zachariah, the priest. And Zachariah only made a small question. Then the angel said that because you have not believed me, you are going to be mute. So Zachariah became dumb until John the Baptist was born. Until John was born. So they were beings that you cannot joke with. But in the New Testament, we have a very glorious relationship and gracious fellowship with them. For us, according to Hebrews 1.14, the Bible said that they even serve us. They minister to us. They are ministering spirits. 
They are ministering spirits. So when Jesus Christ died and he was ascending unto heaven, the Bible said that the angels came and they said that this same Jesus, this same Jesus, that you see him, you see him ascending. In the same manner you see him coming back. So they minister to us angelic visitation. Uh, when Peter was in the dungeons of Herod, the Bible said that the angels appeared there. And then all the chains that was uh, uh, hanging the legs of Peter, all of them turned into two. And Peter was being led by the angel to outside the city gate. This morning, may you receive an angelic visitation. May they come and help you. May they come and assist you. May they bring all blessings unto you. They serve us. This is the place that we have come. A place of angelic service. Angels serving us. Hallelujah. You see that uh, there is this um, saying, I, I've checked the Bible, I don't see it well. There. That they say that we have a guardian angel. Everybody has a guardian angel. Everybody has a guardian angel. So it's like one person has an angel. One person has an angel. So Michelle has one angel. Eliezer has one angel. Ebenezer has one angel. Denzel one angel. Uh, Nana one angel. Shanice one angel. Everybody has one angel. Uh, but uh, when I read scriptures, I see that we have multitudes of angels according to Revelation chapter 5. The multitudes of angels are around the throne. They are around the throne. So I believe that more angels or much of angels serve us. So as I am walking, I have angels around me. As you are walking, you have angels around you. So it's not only one angels, but multitudes of angels serve you. Hallelujah. They serve you. Huh? God has given them charge over you to make sure that your legs does not dash the foot. Hallelujah. So we don't worship angels. Huh, we don't worship angels, but they serve us. Hallelujah. They serve. This is a place that we have come. Hallelujah. Where have we come? Where have we come? We have come to the place of consecration. The Bible says that we have come to the church of the firstborn. The church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. The church of the firstborn. So it's a place of what? Consecration. Beloved, when you read Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, God told Moses, Exodus 4, 22, that when he goes to Pharaoh, he should tell Pharaoh that Israel is his firstborn. Israel is his firstborn. It means that Israel is being consecrated to him. And elsewhere, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 9, the last phrase, God is saying that Ephraim is my first son. Ephraim is my first son. So the church, well, we have come to a place of consecration. So when the Israelites were in Egypt, before they were about to leave Egypt, in Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, the Bible said that God told Moses, consecrate all the firstborn of the Israelites for me. Every firstborn from every 
from the womb of every Israelite is being set aside for me, including even their animals. So if you read Exodus 13, uh, verse 11 to 15, you find out that even animals, all firstborn animals were holy to the Lord. They were consecrated to the Lord. So firstborns, firstborns are consecrated to the Lord. Not only that, but when the Israelites even came to Sinai, Sinai, according to Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6, God told Moses that Moses, I've chosen Israel. I've chosen Israel to be my people. And as for so long as they obey me, I, the Lord, I will bless them. So Israel was considered as the firstborn of the Lord God Almighty. As time progresses, God selected the Levite, the tribe of Levite, to also to be his firstborn. Ah, his firstborn, he gave them the priesthood duties to serve the Lord in the holy temple. To serve the Lord in the holy temple. You can read this one from Exodus, uh, from Numbers chapter 4. Numbers chapter 4, you will see this one also there. You will see it there. Cattles and everything belongs to God. Not only that, the Lord God Almighty say, said in his word, according to Numbers, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 15 to 17, that firstborn sons are to receive double portion. So if the Lord is saying that we have come to the church of the firstborn, then it means that you are the firstborn of God. Because the Bible is telling us in the New Testament, according to 1 Peter, that we are the chosen generation. So the people that God chose them in Exodus, the Israelites, now we have now become the chosen people. And because we are now the chosen people, we are now the firstborn of God. So you are the firstborn of God. So you are the dearest. So because you are the dearest, then you receive all the inheritance that the Lord God Almighty has planned for us. Hallelujah. So every Christian is now a priest. And therefore, we need to offer spiritual sacrifice. Hallelujah. Where have we come? We have come to the place of justice. The Bible says that you have come to God, the judge of all. You have come to God, the judge of all. You see, God gave some people the duties of a judge, the judges, to be able to execute impartial justice. By most times, justice were even being perverted. Were even perverted. But the writer of Hebrew is saying that we have come to a place of justice. Beloved, the first time that I saw this, where God is a judge, is in Genesis chapter 18, verse 25. When God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and then God said that, can I go and do anything without telling my servant Abraham? And then God told 
Abraham that he wants to go and then destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because their sins has become very huge. And Abraham asked God, that God, when you go and then you get 50 people, are you going to destroy them? Are you going to destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? And then the verse 25, Moses, uh, sorry, Abraham said that you are the judge of all. Huh? So this was the first time that we saw the word God is the judge of all in Genesis chapter 18, verse 25. And this one is demonstrated also in the New Testament where Jesus Christ is acting as a judge in a mighty gospel chapter 25 verse 31 to 46 when Jesus Christ will sit on his throne and then all the people will be before him at the beamer seat and then he's going to divide the people into two goat and then sheep the goat will be on his left hand side and the sheep on his right hand side and he will render judgment unto them the goats are the people who do not do the will of God and therefore their inheritance is in the lake of fire and then the sheep are the people who did the will of God by feeding people by doing all that the Lord has entrusted the glorious share to do and the Lord gave them the place of peace to live hallelujah so we have come to the place of justice beloved if you have been mistreated or you are not receiving justice. You should not be worried at all. We are serving a God who is the judge of all. He sees everything. He sees the heart. He sees the mind. He will talk for you. He is your advocate. He is your lawyer. At the end of the day, even at the beamer seat of Jesus Christ, he will say good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Where have we come? We have come to the place of perfection. The place of perfection. The writer of Hebrews say that to the spirit of the just men in heaven who, are, who have now been made perfect. So we have come to this place, a place of perfection. That is where God has brought us. So Jesus Christ is saying that I am perfect or your father in heaven is perfect. So you also be perfect. In Genesis 17:1, God told Abraham that Abraham, if you want to walk with me, then you need to be perfect. That is the place that we have come. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible said that the just will walk by faith. The just will walk by faith. So these are the just men. They are the men, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39 to 40, who were looking up to the promise, the Abraham and the David, but they did not get it. But the Bible explains why the reason why they did not get it is that they are waiting for us. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 40. They are waiting for us so that together all of us will be made perfect. So that there is a place. So when all of us will go to heaven, all of us will go to heaven, a place of perfection. All of us will enjoy the perfection of God. Where have we come? We have come to the place of reconciliation. He said that to Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. The mediator of the new covenant. We have come to the place of reconciliation. 
In the olden days, God entered into a covenant with the Israelites. And they were not even able to obey the covenant. But now, Jesus Christ is our mediator. The Bible says that there is only one mediator between God and man. And that is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is the place that we have come. A place of reconciliation. So we need to be reconciled to God. We need to be reconciled to our fellow men. As I'm bringing the message to an end, where have we come? We have come to the place of forgiveness. The Bible said that to the sprinkle of blood, that speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus Christ is better than Abel because the blood of Jesus speaks forgiveness. It speaks grace. The blood of Jesus Christ brings cleansing. But the blood of Abel always speaks about vengeance. That is why the blood of Jesus Christ is superior and far exceeds the blood of Abel. Beloved, when we come to this place, the holy presence of God, Mount Zion, it is the place of blessing. In Obadiah 17, Obadiah 1, 17, or Obadiah verse 17, the Bible said that for upon Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. So that place you are being delivered. This morning, may you be delivered from every affliction of the enemy. May you be delivered from every trouble, every pestilence, every frustration. And the Bible says that the house of Jacob will possess their possession. May the Lord God Almighty restore you. May you reclaim everything that belongs to you on that place. It's a place of deliverance and blessings. Elsewhere, the Bible says that God commands his blessing from Zion. This morning, this is the place that the Lord God Almighty has brought his church. Has brought his church, the holy presence in a glorious city. The holy presence on a glorious mountain. We have not come to the mountain of fear, but we have come unto a mountain of joy. Receive the joy, the power, and the blessings of God this morning. Amen.